So for this week's interview, I thought I'd do something a little bit different and go back into the archives. Most podcasters continue to grow as they podcast, and they hate the idea of going back and listening to their first episode because they're afraid of how their their content is going to be and how their audio quality is going to be. My first episode of the Jag Show podcast was two years ago, and when I went back and listened, I wasn't thrilled with some of the audio, but for the most part, I thought it was okay. Part of that was my guest. Don Banks is a longtime radio production guy, and he was talking to me from his home studio, so he sounded fantastic. But more importantly, he told an absolutely amazing story, and I figured in this current time of isolation and depression for a lot of folks, a nice uplifting story might be what you need. So today I give you episode one of the Jag Show podcast, Don Banks telling the story how at 58 years old, he found his birth family. It is amazing, and I hope you enjoy it. What's up? It's Andy Grammer with JAG. Hi, this is Carly Rae Jepsen, and you're listening to JAG. Hi, everybody. It's Joe Jonas hanging with JAG. This is Heather Knox, Playboy's Miss January 2012. With the hottest JAG I've ever seen. It's B.O.B. Checking in with my homie JAG. So much swag with my homie JAG. It's the JAG Show Podcast. Welcome to the Jag Show Podcast. I'm a radio DJ who's worked everywhere from Syracuse, New York, to Burlington, Vermont, Detroit, Michigan, New Orleans, Louisiana, and then back here to Detroit. You know, for a long time, I've wanted to do a podcast, but to do a successful podcast, you need a hook. You need something to bring people in to make it unique. And what I realized is throughout my travels around the country, I've been fortunate enough to meet some really amazing people that have some pretty interesting stories to tell. So that's going to be the focus of the Jag Show podcast. And I couldn't be happier to have our first guest. His name is Don Banks. He uh, is in charge of the production at iHeartMedia New Orleans, where I worked with him for three years. And he has recently gone through an incredible experience. Uh, Don is adopted, 58 years old, did not think he would find his birth family ever on a whim, went to Ancestry DNA, and his life changed forever. And with that, I say welcome, Don, and thank you for being the first guest on the Jag Show podcast. First off, it's great to be working with you again. You, we haven't seen each other in a couple of years. So to be doing this with you, A, is a thrill, and to be starting uh, this new version of your podcast is a true honor. So thank you. Thank I you. Appreciate thank that. you. So, Don, let's hop right in. How is it that you went from knowing you'd been adopted your whole life to taking the plunge and getting involved with this whole ancestry DNA thing? Okay, well, I was. my parents brought me home. Uh, from birth. I was three days old when my parents brought me home on a pillow. I mean, I was very young. I really don't remember much about it, but this is what I was told. Mm -hmm. And so I always, I always grew up knowing I was adopted. My mother read a book to me when I was very little called The Chosen Child. And she always referred to me as, as she always said, we chose you out of all the babies on, in the world. We chose you. You're special. You're very fortunate. And we're very fortunate. So I, I always grew up knowing that I was adopted. I didn't really, you know, understand what that meant until, you know, I got, you know, to be, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years old. And I realized some other woman gave birth to me and then gave me up. But you know what? I was happy. Mm -hmm. I had great parents. I never questioned it. It was just it was my reality. I grew up knowing I was adopted and that was that. And I never questioned it. The only time that my parents and I ever talked about it, my mother had had a heart attack in the 80s. I was living in New Orleans. I flew back to uh, to Oklahoma to visit them. And sitting with my dad, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, this is something that I've wondered all your life. I'm like, okay, where's this coming from? Yeah. 
and he said, just point blank, do you ever wonder who your birth family is? And I sat there for a sec and I said, well, you know, dad, I said, if you ask any adopted person, if they're curious about their birth family and they tell you, no, they're a damn liar. Right. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. Um, you, you always wonder where you came from. I said, now, having said that, Archie and Lorraine were the best parents a guy could have. They're the only parents I've ever known. I wanted for nothing. I'm very well adjusted. I got a great work ethic from you. Mom is a saint. So I have no need to look or find out anything more. You're my parents. I mean, that's it. Bottom line. Now, once you guys pass away, perhaps I'll look. Perhaps I won't. I don't know. I haven't gotten to that bridge yet. You see, Don, that's interesting to me because, of course, you would have that curiosity. But did you feel like in some way you were doing a disservice to your parents by looking for your birth parents? If you grow up knowing you're adopted, you know what that means. You know that there's another mother and father in the picture somewhere. I mean, you weren't just, you know, they didn't find you under a mushroom. The store didn't drop you off. There are other human beings involved. Yeah. And, but yeah, I told him, I said, just, you know, just out of respect for you guys, once you guys pass, then perhaps I'll, perhaps I'll start looking. And I'll tell you what the trigger was, Jag. My, my dad passed in 91, my mother in 95, my wife, Dawn, who was another saint. uh, And this was before we had our son, Tyler, who is also adopted. We adopted him from birth. Okay. So it's really cool being an adopted kid with an adopted kid. That's absolutely. Yeah. That's crazy. So we were cleaning out my parents' house in Oklahoma and my, and Dawn came in and she said, look what I just found. And I had never seen this document before. It was my final decree of adoption. And it changed, it changed my last name from Poe to Wilbanks. And there was your first clue. That was the trigger. Okay. I, I waited about, I don't know, six months or a year or so. And then I started registering and this was 95. So 96 or so I started registering on websites and databases and trying to find things out. And in Oklahoma, I was born in 1960. Oklahoma is one of those states where that stuff is sealed up tighter than a frog's butt. You are getting, no informa- <laughs> you're getting, you're getting no information out of the state of Oklahoma. Nothing. If they give you anything, it is non-descriptive information. You know, your birth mother was 17 years old. Uh, they may or may not give you hair color. They may or may not give you a physical description. It's just wow. that, you know, she was, she was a healthy, whatever year, teenager, uh, unwed. And, and she, you know, she may or may not, they may or may not give you anything about the birth father. It's completely and totally non-identifying information. Well, I don't have any of that. So I periodically checked on websites and databases from 1995 until now, basically. Okay. Finding... Not a single iota of information. Was it burning away at you or was this kind of like, oh, when I have a few minutes, I'll take a look at this thing or? Well, at first it was like, it burned at me a little bit. And then when I started finding nothing, I, I, you know, I mean, I got discouraged. And so I started checking it less and less, but I would always go back and check. And then, um, oddly enough, 1995 was about the time that my wife and I started trying to get pregnant. We did seven years at a fertility clinic. Wow. Taking all the shots and all uh, the the Octomom drugs, dude. Seven years of that. I can't. I can't even imagine. We consulted a doctor in Chicago who ran a whole bunch of tests on us, and one of the tests was the results did not come back as positive or negative. It came back as a number, and that number reflected how many times a woman has been pregnant. Dawn's was over twenty. 
Oh my God. She, she would have, she would, there was something in her body that she would, she would conceive. And then in a matter of a number of days or a number of weeks, her body would reject it. Oh. And we had no clue. I mean, there were a couple of times when we would get pregnant and, and she would, uh, you know, miss a month or two and, and go and take a pregnancy test. And it would turn out positive. And we're like, Oh my God, finally, finally, finally. And then the bottom would drop out. There were, there was, I don't, there were three or four Christmases where we didn't even put up a tree because it seemed like every time we would go, this would always happen around Thanksgiving, Christmas time oh. that we would have a, we would have a miscarriage. And it, I mean, it was, um, uh, I mean, it was devastating. We got, I got, I got to the point where you would go to the mall and every third woman you would see was pregnant out to here. And it was I, like, I'd I gotta, had enough of it. I'd had I, enough of it. Don, I got to tell you, being in my late thirties, I've got so many friends that have struggled with this and I know from them how difficult this is. And, and hearing your story just absolutely breaks my heart. I always wanted to have a child and adopt a child. Adopting a child was never plan B. It was plan one. It was plan one A and one B. Okay, we tried. We tried one A. We that was completely and totally unsuccessful. Don had a bad, bad um, experience with uh, anesthesia uh, while in the middle of an in vitro fertilization where she basically went into respiratory, not a rest, but a respiratory distress. Mm -hmm. and, and everybody is down at her feet doing the procedure, and she's up top with, her, with her, her arms strapped down to the boards, spread eagle, and she can't breathe. And the only way that they noticed that was they noticed that she was shaking, and, and the anesthesiologist looked up and saw tears running down her cheeks. Oh, my God. And they came up and said, what's wrong? And she mouthed, I can't breathe. And said, yes, you can. She's like, no, I can't. And so they adjusted the anesthesia and got her breathing in. And that was like, check, please. So adoption was, was always part of the plan. It was never the whole plan. So from that point on, we concentrated on that. We went to a, an adoption attorney in New Orleans and really, really liked what we heard from him at the seminar. And then not long after that, her brother popped up and said, hey, um, you guys still thinking about adopt, adopting a baby? And we said, well, yeah, absolutely. We're about to get that process started. He said, well, I've, I have a friend who is young. She's pregnant and she's wild and knows she has no business being a mom is a single and wild and young. And anyway, I was talking to her about you guys and showed her your picture. And she was wondering if you'd like to meet her. Oh, wow. And we said, sure. And it was just a perfect fit right away. So we called up the adoption attorney and said, hey, what's the procedure if we bring our own birth parent? And he's like, well, that's 80% of our work and that's 80% of the fee. So yeah, bring her. You're going to save a ton of money. You're going to save us a ton of work. And, and yeah, it's done. So we did. This was 19, this was July of 99. Okay. And so we took her to the adoption attorney and, and got everything, got the process started. And we were going to her doctor appointments and everything else. And uh, it was very, very cool. And then um, the Monday after Thanksgiving of 1999, got a phone call. Um, my wife was over at her brother's house. I was home alone. And it was the social worker with the adoption attorney. And, and she said, are you sitting down? <sighs> yeah, nothing, nothing good ever starts with the words, are you sitting down? For sure. So anyway, uh, she informed me that the little baby who was a boy, uh, had died. How far along was she done? Um, this was November. Uh, Cameron was his name. Cameron was eight months in the cord wrapped around his neck. 
unfortunately, yeah. and, and broke his neck. So we went to the hospital um, with uh, Aaron, the birth mother, and it took several days to induce labor. But once, once, once he was finally delivered, we got, to, we got to hold him and met with the hospital chaplain, and we had a really nice little memorial service for him mm-hmm. in the hospital room. Uh, of course, the adoption attorney was there, and everyone was there, and Aaron and her family were so kind as to grant us custody of his remains. So oh, we wow. had him... We had him cremated and he's in an urn. And so the attorney said, um, do you want to continue this process? And it was like, well, of course. Why would we stop? Well, Don, I feel like there are some people in that situation who would say, after everything we've been through with the IVF and that not working out and then losing the baby, th- this is just too much. Check, please. Something like this will do one of two things to a couple. It will right. either drive them apart or bring them together. Mm-hmm. And we will have been married 34 years in September. So, Mazel tov. Thank you. So, without even missing a beat, it was like, well, well of course we're going to continue this. And again, this was November of 99. Oh, so, let us get through Christmas and get through New Year and whatever this whole Y2K crap brings. <laughs> so, fast forward a month. Uh, it's the day, it's the, it's the Monday after Christmas. And the, uh, the attorney calls us back. I says, how are you guys doing? I says, well, we're doing good. I says, are you still on board? I says, yeah. You know, Christmas was tough. New Year's is in a week. Let's, um, let's get through that. I said, okay, but let me run something by you here. I said, first off, we felt so sorry for you guys that we moved everybody back and you guys were number one. Wow. I said, we've been in touch with an attorney in Homa which you know where Homa is, but your listeners don't. Homa is southwest of New Orleans. It's Cajun country. Yep, way down the bayou, yep. Right, down to, down to Bayou, Shep. It's where it's where. <laughs> it, if you watch uh, Swamp People, that's the area. That's the area <laughs> right. that we're talking about, Homa, Terrebonne Parish. So we've been in touch with an attorney on a totally unrelated case, and, and he happens to have a client who is older. She's a little bit younger than, than you, but she has four kids already, and she's had a hard life jail, drugs, just, you know, the whole thing. Well, she's pregnant. Her other four kids are living with the grandparent. And so she knows she can't do right by this child and wants to give it up for adoption. Can we send her your dear birth mother letter? Said, sure. Says, okay. Um, Little other piece of information you might need to know. Um, She's due in three weeks. Whoa. Okay. So FedEx, the dear birth. Zero to 60. Well, yeah, zero to 600. So FedEx, the uh, FedEx, the dear birth parent, a dear birth mother package. Two days later, got a call back. They love you. They want to meet you. Okay. We'll drive down to Homa. And so we drove down to Homa, took them out to dinner, brought a a representative from the the law firm, a paralegal, I think. Mm -hmm. Very nice young lady. And so I think she was completely overwhelmed (laughs) by everything. Of course. Yeah. So we've got got me and Dawn and uh, an armload of photo albums and Robin, who is the birth mother, uh, who is, you know, pregnant out to here because she's doing three weeks, hmm. um, her four kids and her grandparents or her, her parents. And so we all went out to eat. I think we probably left their house like four o'clock in the morning because we sat there all night just getting to know each other and bonding and looking through photo albums. And it was just an immediate fit. So fast forward to um, July 20th of 2000, we survived Y2K. We're in uh, the hospital in Homa. Uh, expecting this child to be born. They were going to induce labor. I had been an emergency medical technician. I had delivered babies before, so I was cleared to catch. I was going to deliver my son. Um, 
she started having some issues, um, started having some discomfort and, and hemorrhaging and the fetal heart rate dropped to 60, which was the trigger for an emergency C-section. So I was locked out. We're pacing, we're pacing. And all of a sudden through the door, I hear a baby cry. And I looked at my watch. It was 1048 AM, July 20th, 2000. So a few minutes later, they brought him in. And so I'm looking at the nurse and, um, uh, I said, so he was born at 1048 and she looked at me quizzically and she said, where'd you get that number? I said, from my watch, which is right. She goes, your watch is right, but he was born at 1036. Oh. Okay. So what's the 12 minutes? She said, okay, well, you're a medical guy, right? I said, yeah. She goes, okay, well, you know what APGAR scores are, right? And I said, yeah, I'll give you a quick primer on APGAR scores. I forget exactly what APGAR stands for, but it's a, it's an acronym. It's a, it's a three digit numerical score. The, the child is assessed at the moment of birth at five minutes after birth and at 10 minutes after birth. And the scores go from a nine being a perfectly pink and healthy baby to zero being a dead child. Um, his scores were one, four, eight. He was not breathing when he came out. They had to bag him and give him oxygen to get him started. He was a one at the moment of birth. He was a four at five minutes. He was an eight at 10 minutes. And do you know why? Because he's a Be fighter? Because the cord had wrapped around his neck. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> so, and, we're like, and they're like, he's fine. He's perfect. And, and, and he is. He's absolutely perfect. But, and so having heard that, I'm like, oh, my God, the miracle of birth. How did, how did any of us survive? I mean, being born is such a traumatic experience. Thank God you're too young to remember it. Yeah. Feel <laughs> about my circumcision. If you, think it's, <laughs> if you think it's tough on the mother, imagine what the child's going through. And thank God you don't remember it. But so, um, yeah, and then I was fine until, until she said, okay, Dad, let me take him back. And when she called me Dad, I just, I just melted as anybody would. Wow. So he's, so he's perfect. And, uh, he now, um, at, uh, he's 18 now. And at the age of about 14, he was introduced to his biological family. Okay. So about four or five years ago, he has two brothers and two sisters. Um, and of course his mother, his, his, his father has passed sadly, but, um, and his mother's kind of out of the picture, but his two sisters are amazing and he's very, very close with them. I was never, ever jealous of my son for knowing about his biological family. Mm -hmm. I figured every year that goes by and I don't hear anything is one more year closer to death that my biological mother is, my right. birth mother is. Mm -hmm. So I had, and I've, and I've told him, I told him many times, I said, son, one day you will know everything. I may never know anything because all that is sealed. And you know what? I've resigned myself to, to that. I'm fine with it. Anyway, he um, got reunited with his family and that kind of lit a fire under me. And so I told, I told my wife Dawn for Christmas, I said, you know what I want for Christmas? I only want one thing. I want the Ancestry.com DNA test. And Dawn, what were you hoping to accomplish with it? Just kind of figuring out your ancestry, country of origin, or were you really hoping to find your biological family? I just wanted to know something. I got it for Christmas and that thing didn't spend 24 hours in my house before I had spit in the tube and put it back in the mail. <laughs> right, right, right. So that was around January, I guess. And I didn't hear, it didn't hear anything or see anything on the website until February 14th, Valentine's Day, which is very, very fitting. I got an email from Ancestry that said, you have a new connection. This is interesting. Connection. Okay. I have a new connection. And so I had, I had, when I got the original test back, it showed about a thousand connections and they were all like 
third, fourth, and distant cousins. Now, Don, when you say connection for anybody who hasn't used one of these services, because I certainly haven't, that is somebody who is registered and in the database that is connected to you? In the database, and there is some manner of match. Through DNA? Yes. And so I had filled out a profile, and one of the, one of the things that I had put on the profile was I was looking for information that I was born in 1960 in Oklahoma City, and my original birth name was Poe. So February 14th, I get this, this hit. You have a connection, first cousin or better. Whoa. Okay, I'm interested in that. So her name is Michelle, and I emailed her. We are uh, actually, I, I connected with her through the messaging on Ancestry, and then we mm-hmm. took it to email, and then five minutes later, we're on the phone with each other. Huh. And like, wow, I, f- I have a cousin. I have, for the first time in my life, I can point to another living human being on the planet and know that we share blood. That's something else. That was awesome. And then two weeks ago, we both got another connection and he contacted me. His name is Jeff. He lives, Michelle Missy lives in Wichita Falls. Jeff, another cousin, lives in Norman, Oklahoma, which is my old stomping grounds. So this is all within probably 100 or so miles of Oklahoma City where you're born or close to that or? Oh, it's a, a suburb. Okay. Essentially, 40 miles. We, 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 the three of us grew up within 40 miles of each other. Jeff's wife, Kelly, is very detail-oriented and very meticulous, and she starts digging into the numbers on Ancestry, which we have not done, the actual DNA numbers and, and the matches. Mm-hmm. And two weeks ago, I'm sitting here. We're all Facebook private messaging back and forth, and Kelly comes up and says, oh, my God, Don and Missy are brother and sister. Wow. And I went and looked at the numbers and it is, it is beyond a 99.9% certainty. She is my half sister. What goes through your mind in a moment like that, Don? Uh, tears fell out of my eyes. Of course. Sure. For the, for the last two weeks, I have been alternating between laughing like an idiot and crying like a baby. That seems fair. So I have a sister and we both have have a first cousin. Jeff is our first cousin. Okay. Now, about, I don't know, a week ago, Missy got a hit and she has a half brother on the paternal side living in Denver. He shares no DNA with me, but he shares as much DNA with her as I share with her. So Missy and you she have the, the same lottery. mom. Missy and you have the same mom. Missy yes. and him have the same dad. Yes. <sighs> and Jeff's Jeff's biological Jeff's birth mother is our birth mother's sister. I was born in 1960. They were both born in 63, exactly three months apart. So these two girls were pregnant at the same time. The two sisters were pregnant with at your half sister and, and my and, and our cousin. Yes. So now. So then um, Friday, 48 hours ago, basically, or 72 hours ago, through investigations and digging and everything. First off, we had gone through old yearbook pictures on on um, on classmates. And we found uh, we found a picture of a girl named Phyllis Poe. Whoa. Turns out. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Then we found an obituary notice of um, of an, an older Poe couple. And it listed two daughters and a son. It listed a Phyllis Poe as a daughter and it listed a Debbie Poe as a daughter. Phyllis is mine and Missy's mother. 
Debbie is Jeff's mother. So this was your grandparents' obituary? Yes. And if you look at a picture of me and Jeff, we could be brothers. You look at a picture of Jeff and the grandfather, and it is looking at the same person. You take a picture of me at one year old, and you put it next to Jeff and next to our grandfather. It looks like the same person. More investigation, we found names, addresses, and phone numbers for the two Poe girls. And Jeff reached out to Debbie on Sunday. That's his mom, your aunt. Yes. And her response was, I've been waiting on this day for 54 and a half years. Wow. Unfortunately, Phyllis died three years ago. That's your mom. My mother. Um, okay. she, she had a lot of health issues and it had a really rough life. And I'm so sorry that we weren't able to find her. But, you know, it is what it is. So now I went from knowing not, a, not another human being on the planet who shares my blood for 57 years to just in the space of since Valentine's Day, finding a sister and a cousin and an aunt. There's other relatives in there as well. And it's just, it's, I have a family. I have a family. And just through seeing on your Facebook and texts and communicating with you the last couple of weeks, the emotion just sort of jumps out of my phone at me. But, but you, haven't, you haven't heard that this is the first time you're hearing this story, too. It which is. Which I think is kind of cool. And, and, and the, the, the thing, I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. I mean, Thank that, you. that must have been, after all that work, that must have been really difficult to process. I'm still processing it, to be okay. quite honest with you. Yeah, I'm yeah. still, pro but I have spoke with my Aunt Debbie, and, and she is amazing. Her husband is amazing. And um, I have an uncle who lives in Norman. Debbie has a child, I believe a daughter. Here's the, here's the really sad part, Jag, is that Phyllis, our mother, Missy and I were the only kids she ever had Ugh. because she, she got pregnant again and had a miscarriage. And at that point they discovered cervical cancer. Wow. And so, you know, in the sixties, the cure for that was a hysterectomy. Sure. Yeah. And she had, she, throughout her life, she had um, other health issues. She had Crohn's disease and she also, and she died of pancreatic cancer. So she had it very, 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 very rough. And I, I, uh, I, I'm sorry that we didn't get the chance to meet her and let her know that the two kids that she gave up for adoption, because you know it, you know, she thought about it every day. It's just natural. Of course. When Debbie gave up Jeff, she's like, you know, literally I have, I've thought about you every day. And just in the last few weeks, you've really, really, really been on my mind. And that's, you know, there's, there's so much synchronicity about this whole thing. It's like every time something pops up, it's like, we all like do a collective gasp and oh my God, because it's like, this is like, it's all meant to be. It's like, this is, it's almost like God was looking down and goes, okay, uh, it's about time for y'all to start talking amongst yourself. <laughs> literally. It's a great literally. way to look at it. Yeah. Right. So I went, I went from being resigned to knowing nothing. And, and I got to tell you, uh, Jag, when my mother passed in, in 95, I'm, I'm in my, my uncle's house in Oklahoma city with my wife and my aunt. My uncle was, is my mother's um, brother, right. and he, he's the last one remaining. And I talked to him last night and brought him up to date on all this, him and my aunt. And even though I was surrounded by family and people who love me unconditionally, I felt totally and completely alone in the world. Understandable. And now I yeah. don't. And that's the one thing that, that um, 
that we all kind of have realized now and tell each other is that we'll never be alone again. Don, this is just such an amazing, mind-blowing story. I probably should have given the tissue disclaimer to our listeners before we started. I was trying to avoid that, but it's just, it's, you know, and even my Aunt Debbie last night, you know, she said, you'll never be alone again. And to hear that is just, it's, it's everything. So if, if you have any, even, even if you're not adopted and you wonder, I would like to learn about maybe where I came from geographically in the world, where my ancestors came from. I found out that, that my DNA, 70% of it came from England. And then another like 20 some odd, some odd percent came from uh, Wales, Scotland and Ireland, which explains why I want a kilt. <laughs> <laughs> You're the reverse of that commercial where the guy yeah. said, you know, he was German and Scottish and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I traded them my kilt for Lederhosen. Um, which is a cool commercial, but, uh, but yeah. And so, you know, I, there's a little bit of Scandinavian in there as well as some trace things. And, but it also showed where my ancestors migrated from Europe to in the United States. And I never knew any of that because how do you tell that from DNA? I don't know. They have this global database and they just put all this together. And that's, there are certain traits, I guess, and certain strings and the way the molecule is put together that they can tell where that comes from. I feel like at this point, I do need to throw out the disclaimer that neither one of us is being compensated by Ancestry DNA. This is not a paid promotional advertisement. This is just an honest story that Don told me in passing that I thought was worth sharing. I'm just a happy, satisfied customer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I took advantage of the sale around Christmas time. And uh, so, but, but seriously, it, you know, I don't care if it's Ancestry or 23andMe or, or there's two or three more. If you wonder anything about where you came from, even if you're researching a family tree, this is where it's absolutely and totally invaluable, even if you're not adopted. Yeah. But so to research your family, if you're like the family historian and you're trying to go back, you know, generation after generation after generation back, do this. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's not a blood test. It's, it's you uh, pop the top off of a plastic vial. You fill it to the full line with saliva. You seal it up, shake it up until it turns colors, put it in the prepaid box and drop it in the mailbox. And then about three to four to six weeks later, you can go online to your, uh, mine happens to be Ancestry. You can go online and, um, and, and check everything out. And there's a, there's a TV show that we, we actually, we thought about going on. It's, it's uh, Ancestry is, uh, is I think, the, the sponsor of the presenting show, but it's on TLC. It's called Long Lost Family. I think they're I, in I've there. Seen, You know, it's funny. I saw a commercial their, for that the their, other night because my wife yeah. watches TLC, and I immediately thought of you when I, when I saw the, the promo. They're, they're in the third season, and, and we were actually, the three, the, all of the, we, because we all share the last name of Poe, we refer to ourselves as the Poe folks <laughs> and, and, and the, the, the Poe people. <laughs> and because there are three of us, we're the three Pomigos. <laughs> the jokes just write yeah. themselves. Oh, and here's the best one. I, I turned the word people around to Popel, P-O-E-P-L-E. <laughs> and and as, as it turns out, uh, Kelly, Jeff's wife, knows someone from Germany. And Popel in German is Booger. So she calls us Boogers. So, yeah. Well, so, and you know what? That's the kind of teasing <laughs> that you can only get from family. Exactly. And when it's great. And we were, we were all, it's so funny. Um, Missy and I were discussing last night, or this, I guess it was this morning, when we were going to call Aunt Debbie, or it had been last night, we were going to call Aunt Debbie. And so I'm like, Missy, you want to call first? She goes, oh my God, I'm too scared. You call first. I said, okay, well, I have to call my, my other uncle, you know, first. 
And so if you want to call, go ahead. And she goes, no, I don't know if I'm ready. Why don't you go ahead and do it? And, and, and Kelly pops up and goes, oh, my God, these two have to be brother and sister. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like it was instant. It was just, and today, the recording date of this is April 10th, and today is Siblings Day. Appropriately so that we're having this conversation, Don. And I got to ask, I got to ask you, is it, is you feel like, you know, this is something that you've been longing for your whole life and, yes. and you're happy to have versus, yes. always, versus, well, you know, it might be kind of cool, but hey, you know, whatever. Like, is it, is you, is you have something you didn't realize you missed or do you, or did you always want this? I mean, no, I, I, well, no, well, like I said, I mean, I, I grew up knowing I was adopted and completely and totally accepting of it and never questioning it. But as once my parents died and especially, I guess, once dad asked me that question. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, that was really the first time I thought about it. And I was in my twenties, you know, it was the first time I really thought about it where I had to answer, I had to answer a question. I mean, it was always cool being, I mean, I, you know, I always describe myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm an only kid and I'm adopted, which is kind of cool. Right. So, um, and then my dad asked me that question and then I'm like, okay, well, and then, you know, he died in 91 and she died in 95. And then, but what the trigger was, the absolute pull on the trigger was finding that blue folder with that onion skin document inside. That was my final decree of adoption. And so, and so had you not found that, you may not have embarked on this journey. I probably wouldn't have been as serious about it. No. And, no. and, and then, and then adopting Tyler and then him finding his, or being reunited with his his birth family and having just a super relationship with his sisters. His his sister Candy lives in New Orleans and she took him to Beaumont to the other sister for her kids' birthdays and didn't tell Felicity in Beaumont that she was bringing Tyler. She's just like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to give the kids Tyler. If I'm going to be like, I'm going to be the best aunt in the planet. Oh, look <laughs> what I brought, by the way. Happy birthday. Happy and birthday. You have an uncle. Yeah, they, they knew because they had met him, but but nonetheless, it was like, you know, they had no clue that she was bringing him to Beaumont, Texas. And then for Tyler's birthday in January, the, the Beaumont uh, sister, she and her whole family, her husband and her three kids, they came to our house for, for Tyler's birthday party, which was just, he's got the, the best family ever. And so that was like, that was again, it's like, I was never, I was never jealous of him, but I, I was, I felt left out. I felt like there's Maybe something. Envious I, a little bit? No, no, just incomplete. Okay. What, so, so, so how does Tyler feel about your whole journey with this, Don? He's very, very happy. Um, he's, he hugs me all the time, tells me he loves me, and he's very supportive. Quite frankly, both he and my wife are overwhelmed because this has all happened so fast. It's like literally we went from 48 hours to finding a picture of our grandparents in an obituary to talking with their daughter on the phone. 48 hours. This is the kind of stuff that if you, if you watch the show on TLC, this is the kind of stuff that the two hosts, they go out and they do the research and then they do all the legwork and they bring the families together. We did it all our own because we were going to apply because we yeah. thought, well, you know, our story is every bit as compelling as, as anybody on this show. That's for sure. And all of a sudden it's like, we don't need to go on the show anymore because we found all this ourselves. But still, it's just, it's, I highly recommend the show if you don't, it's, if you don't, you got to check it out. TLC, it's called Long Lost Family, and it's just, it's an amazing show. Don, I am just in awe of your story. I've always wondered. I mean, my parents have told me that on both sides, my great-grandparents came from Russia, uh, Jewish origins, may have been a part of Poland controlled by Russia. We really don't know. And I've always been curious, which to me makes this great for somebody, whether they're adopted or not. 
And when you asked me to come on this, that was, that was immediately what I thought of is like, oh my God, if you're of the Jewish faith, then you can, you can trace your lineage back potentially centuries. Theoretically, yeah. So I would think anybody of the Jewish faith would absolutely find it imperative to do this. I'm not Jewish. I'm not Jewish. And I just found it fascinating as it could be. So, And, and I really think anybody listening, regardless of religious affiliation or agnostic exactly. or, no, or whatever, right. like, this is just... It's an, a longing to know who you are. Where, who, where did I come from? I mean, I think that's, that's the universal question, I think, isn't it? Where did, where did I come from? But I mean, when you, you know, bought the, or, you know, when Don bought you the Ancestry DNA for Christmas and you did mm-hmm. this, I mean, this has got to be beyond your wildest expectations, right? What were you hoping for when you did it? I was hoping just to find, I would have been happy with a name. Yeah. I mean, and, and I realize, you know, I'll be 58 years old in September. At 58, you know, if, if you're, even if the birth parent is a teenager, she's going to be in her 70s. Right. My Aunt Debbie is 71. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother, my biological mother, Phyllis, was four years older than her. Yeah, she would have been 75, yeah. She would have been 75. And, and sadly, she passed three years ago. Um, you know, but I still have Debbie, and Debbie can answer a ton of questions. Because Can you imagine how close those sisters had to have been being pregnant at the same time? And giving babies up for adoption at within, within a couple months. Within three months of each other, right. Exactly three months of each other. Well, I, I, I'm sure this goes without saying, Don, but I think I speak for my listeners and I, and we all say that we're pretty sure that your yeah. biological mom will be pretty happy to I th- yeah, see this I, whole I, thing. We've, we've all kind of sat around and, and, and we, just besides the fact that we're all saying, okay, God is like saying, okay, talk amongst yourselves. We also envision, we also envision this kitchen table where my adoptive mother, Lorraine, and Phyllis and, and Missy's adoptive mother who has passed, and I'm sorry, I don't know Missy's mother's name, but I can just imagine the three of them sitting around a, a kitchen table in heaven looking down going, <laughs> would you look at these kids? I'm so proud of them. They found each other finally. I, I let just, me tell you about the time that Don was six and did this. Oh, yeah. And, and let me tell you something. They make their presence known. Missy, has, uh, my Aunt Debbie has told me, I mean, she literally has seen um, the spirit of her mother in the house because she was 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 ill and died in the house. She lived with my Aunt Debbie for a time. And she remembers when they moved out of their house, she went back in. She said, I'll be right back. I forgot something. She went back in and she stood at the foot of the stairs where she always saw this apparition of her mother and said, okay, mom, um, we're moving. You got to come with us. And she did. She sees her at the new house. My mother has made her presence known so many times. She's always with you. This, this, she's always with you. They're always with you and watching. That is an amazing story, Don. And yeah, it's been a roller coaster of emotions just today. And I've learned so many things just in the last few hours that I didn't know when I got up this morning. So it's an evolving story and shall be probably for a long time. Well, Don, I think the obvious question at this point is, are you planning on heading back to Oklahoma to have a reunion with everybody? Yes, it's great because it, our plans were, and they've been amended now because um, uh, my Aunt Debbie lives in San Antonio. So this, this all may happen at, at Debbie and Dexter's house before. But my, my 34th wedding anniversary is September 15th. Mm-hmm. My high school reunion is September 21st, which also coincides with my oldest friend, Art, whom I've known since kindergarten, his birthday is that day. Um, 
another high school friend of mine that we basically describe ourselves as twin sons of different mothers. We've known each other since first grade. Mike, he's, he's, start, he's at the same radio station that I started at 40 years ago. Wow. He'll, he'll be at the high school reunion as well. And then my, my uh, 58th birthday is September 25th. So in this 10-day span is a wedding anniversary, um, a birthday of my oldest friend, my, my high school reunion, and then my, my birthday. And Missy and Jeff and their families are coming to Oklahoma and we're all getting together on the weekend of my high school reunion. Unless we get together before in San Antonio at Debbie's house. Because you may not be able to resist at that we point. We may not be able to I wait. Mean, we may not be able to wait. And like I said, it's like we, we all, it's like to a person, it's like you will never be alone in this world again. And that is, that's, um, it's amazing to me after going through, you know, up until 57 years old, not knowing nothing. And now um, I don't know everything, but man, I know so much more than I did. But now I have a sister and I always wanted a sister. The, the farmers uh, jingle, we are farmers. Bump it up. Yeah, well, I did one this morning. We are po people. Dum, ba, da, da, dum, dum, dum. You oh, have yeah. been producing radio commercials for way too long, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's, uh, it's my life, unfortunately, which just, you know, I mean, I've been in this business for 40 years, which basically just proves one thing, and that is I'm unfit to hold a real job. That's the struggle I deal with daily. I feel your pain. <laughs> Well, thanks to you, Don. Episode one of the Jag Show podcast sets the bar pretty high. It's going to be pretty tough to beat. I would like to say, because um, today being being Siblings Day, um, happy Sibling Day, Missy. It's our first one. You're my sister and I love you. Don, congratulations to you as well as the rest of your family and now growing family. I couldn't be happier for you. You know, we worked together for three years in New Orleans and thoroughly enjoyed my time working with you. You are a lifelong friend. And on behalf of my listeners, too, we're all just so excited for you and your old but newfound family. Well, you know, you and I kind of bonded as soon as you walked in the building. And um, and so uh, first off, I'm so happy about about you and your lovely wife, Ellen. I, I wish we could have made it to Detroit for your wedding. We, we wanted to so bad. It just events conspired against us. But I'm just I'm so happy for you. And um, I've followed your career after you left New Orleans. And it's a huge honor for you to ask me to come on and, and share this story, but to be the, the first guest on the, on the new version of the podcast and to be able to share such an amazing story is just, it's, it's a huge honor. And I just, I, I thank you so much. I, I appreciate you saying that, Don. And I, and I learned a lot in the three years that I, that I worked with you, a lot about radio and some stuff about Outside radio that we'll leave aside from this podcast that we don't need to go near. There's probably a statute of limitations and we really don't need to go there. <laughs> even in New Orleans, <laughs> even in New Orleans. Uh, Don, right. have, a, uh, have a New Orleans original daiquiri for me. And it was I will. With you, buddy. All right, buddy. Good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Jag Show podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe in Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are published every Tuesday and Friday morning. For help with your podcast, find JAG on social media at JAG in Detroit or on the web at jagindetroit.com.